from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. This is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs. It is getting late in the week. And later today, after you've listened to this, there's going to be not only an open practice for the media, but a lot of uh, media appearances. So we'll have more on that coming. Seth's going to get the mailbag tomorrow on Friday, but next week we'll get into some of the meaning of what we've seen on Thursday's pressers. But in the meantime, a couple of things. Uh, Matt's going to join me here in a minute. We're going to talk about the offense and uh, a lot of focus about what might be changing and how they can kind of maintain what they've done the last couple of years. I want to mention, if you are new to the show, make sure you get subscribed on Himalaya, that brand new platform that lets you follow shows and and has everything you could ask for, as well as Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. They're everywhere. Um, And we are brought to you today by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's vacation. Book your own. Do there and get rewarded for everything that you do on your vacation. Um, A couple of notes. Had two transactions, and we're going to talk about uh, at least one of them today with Matt. But uh, quarterback Linta got let go on an injury settlement. Uh, not anything to be concerned about. I, th- I think he was a dark horse to compete for a spot on the roster. But um, going into camp probably with four quarterbacks, I think that's perfectly fine. You want to move those reps around. But uh, that is one transaction. And then the one that probably caught more people off guard, including myself, uh, because I thought the team was really kind of digging on what John Phillips was bringing they let the blocking tight end that they just signed a week ago go. Um, Phillips was more of a blocker. They were probably hoping to find something in him that he could add to the offense, but in, at the end of the day, they weren't able to pull that off. And so they did break ties with him. And so that's another tight end off of the, the table at a position that uh, we really do need to talk about today. So why don't we just get to it? Here's Matt Derrick joining me. So we're back after having gone through uh, the defense and the looks and what's going on. This is the week that, Things are starting to click. You've seen a couple of changes out there uh, that I talked about earlier with some of the quarterbacks and, and guys moving on, the tight end position in particular. But uh, a lot of the interesting stuff coming out on the offensive side of the ball from last week's OTAs, and it looks like they're building upon it as they go into this week. Uh, they should have another media performance here uh, today, I believe, as this comes out. And Matt Derrick is back with us from Chiefs Digest, and he's got some firsthand knowledge. Uh, how you feeling, Matt? Not too bad, Ryan. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm keeping up. Uh, I'm excited. I, I find myself wanting to watch practice and I know it's just practice. But I won't. As my, as my friend Josh, Josh Briscoe says, it's practice practice this time of year. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and there's some very cool things, uh, coming out that I, I've picked up on some little things and I want to go back to start off with, with some of the comments last week from Sammy Watkins. Um, and Sammy's, you know, kind of a, a, a groovy outer spacey kind of guy. Um, He's had some interesting things over the course of the last year since arriving in Kansas City, but he he came across to me last week and when he was talking to you guys as as more succinct, more um, not dramatic, but more focused on what he's doing. And, and generally, how does his demeanor come off to you? Yeah, you know, I, I thought it was a little bit different. Um you know, I, and part of that I think is comfort. Obviously, he's he's been there for a season now, so he's more familiar with his teammates. He's more comfortable with the offense and the situation. Um, but I, I think also he feels a little bit of the responsibility that's falling on him with with Tyreek Hill not being around right now. And I think he, you know, he realizes he needs to be a little bit more of that leader type. And I think it's hey, it's hard for a player to come in and assume that role. Now it's easier if you are a Frank Clark and a, a, a Tyron Matthew on the other side of the ball 
and the team's paying you to, to be that guy and they're asking you to be that guy. Uh, but on the Chiefs offense, they've, they've got their leaders. They've got Mahomes. They've, they've got Kelsey. You know, they've, they've got the guys who are, who are in charge and they haven't had to rely on, on Watkins as much. But now you've got him as, as being the, really the true and only veteran, um, in that wide receiver room right now. And they are looking for him for, for something different. And I think he's, he realizes that. And I think he's accepting the role. He seems really comfortable with it. Um, there's been a lot of talk. I mean, I mean, the big buzz story, it's almost become a joke is, um, talking about, Hey, Sammy Watkins looks really good this off season. <laughs> um, but you know, he does. I mean, he, he, he looks really comfortable out there. Um, you know, last year we, we did get wowed with a lot of the one handed catches and some of the things that he can do physically. But, you know, really right now, I mean, just the fact that he, he looks smooth, he looks comfortable. Um, looks like he's running without any effort with that, that foot issue that's bothered him in the past. So, uh, no, I mean, I, I do think he looks like a player who's just more familiar with his role and more comfortable with his team right now. I'm going to start referring to that as vintages because just because the 2017 vintage of Sammy Watkins was, was an illusion doesn't mean this year's is. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I get the same, the same thing from what I'm hearing about that. Especially what stood out to me is when he was asked about the rookie McCole Hardman and how it just came across to me as though a lot more guidance, a lot more like elderly, like this is what he has to do. Tyreek's not here. I'm doing my thing, stepping up. He's got to step up as well. Yeah, and I, and like I said, I I think that was a little bit different because you're right. Sammy is Sammy's a different guy, and and that's why I, I think that there is a little bit different expectation. Even though you're paying Sammy Watkins a lot of money, admittedly, um, he he's not necessarily the player that who is an outspoken leadership type player that you get with a Tyron Matthew and a Frank Clark. He's more of a by example kind of guy. You know, he's not the raw raw. He's not in your face. He's not that type. And, and as, as young as, as Tyreek still is, you know, he was a little bit of that leader in that group. And, th- and this group also had Chris Conley last year, who was really more of the, the stable force leader of that, that wide receiver group. I mean, he was kind of the, like I said, this just the steady hand of that group. Now Sammy's got to really step into a couple of different roles and, and he's still not going to be that raw, raw guy. He's not going to be getting in anybody's face and challenging them. It's not his personality. Um, but what he can do is he can be that by example guy. He can be the guy who just shows these young receivers, you know, how to play, how to handle the league, um, what they need to do on the field, you know, teach them moves that will help them, help them develop as players. He, he can do that. And, and that's, you know, not necessarily what the team's paying him to do, which paying him a lot of money. Um, but if you can get that out of Sammy Watkins, it's a bonus. I mean, that's, that really is because he's got a lot of knowledge to share with those guys. Yeah. And, and I like that you bring up Conley because Conley was a guy that most closely glommed on to Sammy when he first arrived in order to show him those ropes, get through trying to learn three positions. And I feel like. I think we saw a little bit of a of a slower uptake for Sammy than than maybe we would have expected. But by the end of the year, when he returned from that injury, I thought like it felt like it was clicking and he knew where to be all the time. And I think he's got not not necessarily just how to be a professional ball player, but how this offense works. What are the little things that Reed and Mahomes are looking for? I think he can disperse that information to what is really beyond him a lot of question marks. Yeah, and if you're looking for a reason to be optimistic about Sammy Watkins, you know, here it is. Even with that foot injury at the end of last season, this is still the most stable environment Sammy Watkins has had for an entire 12 month period of his NFL career. 
I mean, it's the first time in a long time that one, he's with the same team from the previous season. He's got the same coaching staff. He's got this, you know, he, he, he mentioned Rick Burkholder and the training staff. You know, he was mentioned that they know his body better than he does. That's the kind of thing that happens when you're at a team for two years in a row and you're in the same organization. I mean, you get that kind of comfort level, but they know you better. They know how to handle you and, and help make you better. So those are all keys. But you know, I, I touched on a second ago. I mean, I, I think that Chris Conley is probably the one departure on this offense um, just as far as the, the leadership and off the field that this team is going to have the biggest challenge to replace. Because he really was. I mean, he was a he was a calming influence. He he was really that kind of guy that that could be the the challenge kind of guy. I mean, he could, he could get into a guy's faces, even though he wasn't the loudest guy. He was kind of the the spokesperson and really the the boss of that wide receiver group. And they need somebody to take that over. And it's uh, frankly, it's got to be Watkins. I mean, he's got to do it. He doesn't really have much of a choice. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's the lambs can't be bossing around the shepherd. Right. So um, it's got to be. And I think the question mark is in a similar situation um, for the position group. We'll talk about after this break, folks, because when you move to the next level of the offense, I think there's there's some changes that are going on that maybe we're not quite aware of that need to get straightened out before they get to camp. Today's show is brought to you by Grip6, where their goal is to literally make the best belt that's ever been made. Grip6 has a special offer for you at grip6.com slash lock. That's grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. And when I mentioned before the break that there are some things changing, a lot of of hubbub was made uh, around town, at least initially, uh, when the Chiefs brought in a veteran tight end that could block that maybe that was his primary strength, right? Well, now he's been released. And you're back to a lot of athletic pass catcher type guys who may be able to cross over and do some blocking. But behind Travis Kelsey, and, and obviously with Travis not practicing, it's it's a bit more of a question mark, but does that give you an indication, Matt, about a, a what they're trying to emphasize or what they've seen from some of these young guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, Dion Yelder and David Wells are uh, the two guys that could come back from last year that they picked up, and and they're they're both athletic guys who can catch the ball. They're also both big targets. That helps. Uh, good grief! Well, Wells is I think like six six two sixty. Um, he's probably better suited to be maybe a little bit more of that guy who can who can do a little blocking. I mean, Blake Bell is probably the. He's not quite as, I think, beefy as, as Wells is, but Bell's got the attitude to be a really good blocker. Um, he's just still growing into it. I mean, this is a quarterback turned tight end, um, who really was a pass catcher, but you know, that's so he's still learning that. I mean, but Bell's got that attitude and, and at his age and experience, if, if he can be that guy and be a, be a little bit of that, that helps. Um, I, I'm, I'm really starting to come around to the idea that, that blocking tight ends are a little bit overrated, um, in today's league. If, if only for the fact that usually that blocking tight end role that's attached to the line is almost being taken over by an offensive lineman, uh, a sixth guy in the line. I mean, that's what really, if you're going in for that, that kind of jumbo package that you would normally get that blocking tight end, it's an offensive lineman. It's handling the role anyway. So uh, to me, it's almost a little bit overrated. Um, you know, I, John Lovett is the is the experimental guy. We will see. I mean, I think there's a lot to like there. Um, Chancey doesn't make the team. Chance that, that it doesn't work out. 
Um, there's a chance, you know, maybe he does stick around as a practice squad guy. There's a, a, a chance that maybe he does become a chess piece and, and a player that can, they can use in some situations, but I, I don't, I, I'm not totally sold that they've got the reliable number two Travis Kelsey backup that if you had to play two or three games without Kelsey, that you really feel like could be that guy that the offense travels through. And I'm not sure that guy's available either. I'm not sure that, that there's anyone on the free agent market that you're going to find. So you're right. I mean, they're, they're in a spot where they need to be able to take one of these athletic guys that's got some upside, who's got some hands and, and turn them into somebody who can be that reliable number two guy. They have to have to lean on for a while. They could. Yeah. I mean, and I like what you said before. I mean, really today, a, a blocking tight end is, is a zone guard that doesn't do cardio, basically. You know, it, it's the evolution of the game has included these linemen that, you put in the six lineman because you know you're going to need them to block. Okay. Well, otherwise, you want pass catchers. You want guys that are movable chess pieces that you can get mismatches with. And that brings me back to the fact that there's a lot going on on the interior of this offensive line. And a guy that I don't know if he can catch. I honestly don't recall if I've ever seen him catch a ball. Uh, but Cam Irving's been out with, uh, it was announced last week, uh, uh, surgery that we weren't quite aware of and Wiley's been running at the left guard with the ones, right? How do you feel about where the situation stands with the left guard spot? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the chiefs are optimistic that Andrew Wiley might be that guy. Um, they really like him. Obviously he played extremely well last year, uh, filling on the right side for, for Duvernay Tardif. Um, I think their ideal situation that they really want is for Andrew Wiley to nail down that left guard spot, take it, and Cam Irving turns into your Zach Fulton. He's your your sixth man. He's your your Swiss Army knife who can go in anywhere. And part of it is, you know, obviously they feel like that Irving is well suited for that. They feel like he is well suited to be a swing tackle. That he can do that. I mean, Wiley can do that too. Wiley's college tackle. I mean, he he, he could play that. Um, doesn't have the center experience that that Irving does. So you know, Irving's got the true ability to play any of those five spots in a pinch if he had to. Um, I think they feel like if, if Wiley plays as well as he did last year, he's probably an upgrade at left guard. He's got the size. He's got a lot of athleticism that they really like, you know, and Andy Reid sing- signaled that out last week that he, he, I was kind of surprised, but he said he thought Andrew Wiley might be their most athletic offensive lineman. And that's interesting to me because I think he might be their nastiest. Oh, he's definitely their nastiest. There's no doubt about that. Andrew Wiley is like the absolute nicest guy in the world off the field. And, but man, I do not want to tangle with him on the field because he will mess you up. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I really feel like that's, that's what they're hoping for that they want that, that Irving does play that kind of sixth man role. And part of it is because, you know, you look at the, the, some of the, the issues that they had the last, last year, especially, you know, and since Zach Fulton left, they, they short yardage is one thing, but they also, you know, when you've got injuries, you hate to have to turn over your line too much. And, you know, if, if, if Cam Irving is your best alternative backup and maybe a couple of different spots, Hey, let's say Austin Ryder goes down or Austin Ryder doesn't work out. Well, if you've got, you know, Cam Irving working at left guard, now you've got to move him back to center. Now you've got to move Andrew Wiley into left guard where he hasn't been working. You know, you've got to move a lot of pieces if you get an injury. The idea was if your primary backup is, is a Cam Irving is that a guy goes down, you just plug him in. He's plug and play. You don't have to move two guys around or three guys around to make it work. 
and that could definitely be a problem if you know if they've got a you know one of the, if one of their tackles goes down. Uh, and and that's the one thing that you know this team has been lacking for a couple of years now has been a reliable swing tackle. It, you know they've been living just by the grace of God that Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz haven't gone down. Um, cause I don't think they've been prepared for <laughs> that if that happens. Um, uh, if you got Irving prep to do that, yeah, that helps. Um, and you know, I, and I wonder if the contract isn't a factor too. Um, Cam Irving's got a big contract that pays him a lot of incentives if he plays a lot. Mm-hmm. He's not going to play a lot if he's your sixth lineman. No, but like you said, he can play that tackle. He certainly can play the interior spots, all of them. And I like him as that sixth like we were talking about with the tight ends, because I, he is one of the more athletic guys. And I think especially in straight line, I think I'd put my money on him in, in this O-line group. Yeah, I mean, and he, he is he is one of those athletic guys who can move around. I mean, he you look at him and, you know, honestly, he's got more of almost a tight end body. I mean, he's he's kind of thin. I mean, he's got a kind of a thin frame. It's not that it's not bulked up. It's not that he doesn't have the muscle and everything, um, but he's not, you know, as as thick as some of the other guys are. And I do. I mean, yeah, he can move around a little bit. So I think you're right. I mean, that's that's one of the the reasons why I think he is appealing as that sixth lineman is like he's got the athleticism to play anywhere. Um, but you're right. I mean, if that's the sixth guy that you're bringing in in some jumbo packages, yeah, you you can do some different things with him. I like that concept a lot. And like you said, if they feel Wiley's the most athletic, then that's that's what they're looking for for the guards. They they need to be able to get out in space. And that brings me to two guys that I think are better at power than. Uh, at open in space, but two guys that are really intriguing to me. And this is a good thing. Maybe the chiefs don't have an elite offense line unit, but they have a very good one and a deep one. And the young guy, Alec Reddy's come in and I thought he looked good in the few things that I was able to see. I'm really interested to see what uh, Khalil McKenzie comes along with, because I think they're both the, the road grader type can play downhill power scheme a lot better. Uh, but did you see many snaps from them or what was your impression from them in week one? Yeah, they they were, uh, you know, Allegretti looked like they were mostly working him at center. I think he did get some snaps at guard as well. Um, that's kind of the, the hope with him that if he's, he's on the 53 this year, that he's a, he's a three position guy who can play any of those. Um, interesting with, with Khalil McKenzie. I, I saw him working on a lot at right guard, um, which has changed from last year when they had him primar- primarily working on the left side. Um, I, I, if you're looking towards the future, yeah, that's probably what you're you're looking for. Um, you've got the ability if, if Khalil McKenzie's got the ability to play on the right side, you've got some decisions to be making in the next few seasons with Duvernay Tardif and his contract. Um, that would prepare you um, if you do need to go a different direction to get cheaper and younger at that spot. Um, but if he's got the ability to flex, you know, both sides, I mean, it's it's not as easy as people think just switching from one side to the other. I mean, that's why, you know, Reed did say that he, he feels like Andrew Wiley can can make that move pretty quickly because he's he's athletic enough to do it. Um, not everybody can. So, you know, I, I, I if, if Kalu McKenzie's got that ability, if you're looking at 2021, 2022 down the road, and, hey, Andrew Wiley's on the left side, Kalu McKenzie's on the right side, you, if Nick Allegretti becomes your center, I could look like a really good lineup maybe in a few years. I mean, it's got a lot of upside. I'm, I'm with you. I'm excited about what this could be in another season or two with some of these young guys coming along. Uh, folks, we'll take our break. We're going to come back and talk about a couple of the, of the little things, and I do mean little in the positive way, uh, that we still need to straighten out. 
Today's show is brought to you by Untuck It. Dads come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts. Untuck It is a solution that fits just right. No tucking or tailored required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NBA, to get 20% off. So the guy that I'm referring to is because there was a lot of optimism out there about Darwin Thompson, and I I don't want to be a cold blanket on everybody who's looking forward to seeing him run the ball, but Damian Williams isn't giving up this spot. And I thought he came out and from what I saw looked pretty good. Obviously it wasn't, it was a limited number of snaps I get to see, but it seems to me like the old guys, including, uh, Daryl don't seem to be giving up any reps to these young kids. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, just what we saw from one day of practice, I think you got to feel pretty good about the position. I do still think it's going to be a little bit of a committee approach because all those guys got some different strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, Williams, uh, he had a really nice catch on a, on a busted play on a wheel route. Um, he and Mahomes just seemed to have some great chemistry on an adjustment there. Picked it up for a big gain. Um, Daryl Williams, I mean, he, he, I, I thought he looked a little bit uncomfortable last, uh, last season during some of the game situations. Um, no, I think mm-hmm. he got, he, I think he got a touchdown and he had, he had a couple of good moments, but I thought, I thought Daryl Williams always looked a whole lot better in practice. Um, than he did in games. And I, I think we saw a little bit of that comfort level on Thursday. I mean, he, he seems to be a little bit more comfortable and, and that's the tough thing. I mean, and you know, because not every running back is like Kareem Hunt that can step in and will be that guy on day one. Um, sometimes you just need some time and experience. I mean, especially for someone making the jump that he is as far as, you know, challenge wise, as far as, you know, the level of play goes. Um, his level of experience, I mean, still most of his experience is a junior college level. So, you know, there's, there's still some work to do there for Darwin Thompson, but you know, he's, he's got the skill set. Absolutely. And he might be one of those guys that it's maybe it's a second half of the season thing once he gets a little bit more comfortable comfort level. Um, but you're right. I mean, hey, Damian Williams, Daryl Williams both look really good. Carlos Hyde is, you know, going to have some, he's going to challenge for that spot too. I don't think there's any lack of competition there. You're going to end up, I think, with three at least pretty good backs on this roster that you feel comfortable with. It's maybe not just a feature guy, but you're going to have some guys that you can rotate around and do some th- different things with. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to see that. I've never been much of a committee guy, but in as the a league evolves the way that it uses the running backs, I, I really do like the concept of that more. And I've taken a lot of grief from a lot of fans about the fact that I'm discounting Carlos Hyde. And maybe that's my fantasy experience with him. Sorry, Carlos. You've ruined a couple of leagues for me over the years. But I'm he he's not running at this point, right? He still wasn't practicing when you were out last week. Uh, I thought I saw him getting a couple of reps. I could, I could have could have just uh, mis- misread the number and everything. Um it, he he was he was down on the on the on the depth chart though. Um that was kind of a little bit of a surprise. And that's something to consider too. When we talk about all of these things. Um, especially this time of year, Andy Reid favors the veterans. I mean, he does. I mean, the guys who are going to get the chances first are the guys coming back. It's not, unless you're a big name free agent that's coming in, you're not usually just going to be stepping in and getting starter reps or, you know, even some big name rookie. You're not still going to be starter reps day one. I mean, McCole Hardman, top draft pick for the team. He's, he's, he's down on the list of reps right now. Um, because Andy Reid this time of year, I mean, gives his veterans a chance to, to keep their jobs. And, um, we'll know. I mean, it's, you get to August in the training camp. That's when things will start, really start to change. 
But right now, I mean, you're seeing it's mostly veterans who are getting the, the, the first team reps and getting their first cracks. And that's what I would expect this time of year from Andy Reid. It's the way he does things. Right. I, and the fact that I, I know Hyde had uh, some kind of injury coming in. So I, the fact that he's not getting a whole lot right now, I don't think is anything to be too worried about. For those people that are complaining that I'm discounting his abilities, uh, he may get a, a resurgence when we get to camp, right? He might. And uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, you look at the track record from last year and you look at the contract. This is this looks like a depth move. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, and, and he does bring that. I mean, it gives you some experience. Um, there's a reason, you know, to, to have that around because as much as you like, you know, what Damian Williams gave you for about five games last year, the only time in his career he's done that for five games and he's never done it for 16. So, and, and frankly, you're looking for a guy who's going to be able to do it for 20, 19. So, you know, that's, and that's why, you know, to me, you look at what Doug Peterson's doing in Philadelphia. You know, they don't really have that feature back. And, you know, I mean, this is an off, this, uh, that offense is an offshoot of this one. It absolutely is. And Andy Reid's not, not opposed to looking at what some of his, you know, proteges are doing and borrowing some of the things that they do. And you're di- sometimes it's dictated by just what your roster is, but you can have an effective offense in this league, I think, by just using guys in, in the positions at their best. And running back position seems to be going that way more and more. I mean, I think it's almost to the point where the feature back is thing of the past. I mean, there's just not that many guys anymore who are just that workhorse. I agree. And the guy that I'm most excited about, I think, hasn't gotten a whole lot of pub yet. Uh, we won't need to go into him here. Uh, but before we wrap, I just want to say that I'm looking for uh, James out of Washington State to get more exposure as this pre season thing goes on maybe not necessarily till camp but um if you get a chance may, maybe keep an eye out see if you get any impressions of him this week i knew the james williams crush was coming out soon um i'm trying to remember i don't know if he was working last week um i thought there might have been an injury with him i'd have to go back and look at my notes and see i know there was a hamstring initially i wasn't sure if he got out there for thursday or not but i was expecting this week to be the week he shows up yeah and i will definitely keep be keeping an eye on thursday because i know he's your guy he is my guy, and I think, like you said, it should happen. Something happened to Damian Williams, who hasn't put together a full season ever. It, it that to me is the impetus that really emphasizes who can run the ball and who can catch the ball. I think Daryl Williams can do a bit of both, uh, but I think if you if you need to hand it it off more, I think he's got to be your guy or hide right now. Uh, but Williams is the guy that really sparks my interest as that guy that can play on third down as a pass catcher. Maybe not necessarily as a protector. I think he's got a ways to go there, but he's not terrible for college. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and and when we're talking about that backfield too, throwing McCall Hardman, I think you're gonna. I mean, it may be mostly your gym of your jet sweep work and everything, mm-hmm. um, but look at some of the plays with Tyreek Hill lining up in the backfield over the last three seasons. McCall Hardman's going to be getting some of those snaps too. That's going to be really interesting because it's not necessarily the same role, but a lot of the same abilities, right? Yeah, I mean, and and Tyree could do some certain things because obviously he was a, he was a running back at one point and had done more of that. And I'm not expecting to see a whole lot of McCole Hardman, you know, running, you know, from off guard or anything. Yeah, from 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 lining up in the eye. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, doing some sweeps, doing even if it's just you know it's fakes, but. Uh, Tyreek ran the ball out of the backfield a lot more than people remember, especially his rookie year. And yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a lot of the jet sweeps, pet stuff that Andy Reid likes to do. But I, I 
I think he's just got too much speed for you not to take advantage of it in, in the backfield in some way. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you. Well, I'm looking forward to what you find out today as you're out there for Thursday's practice and press. So uh, thanks for taking the time now. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Always great hanging out with you, Ryan. All right. We'll check in with you next week, folks. Thank you for listening. Make sure you check out everything that's on Chiefs Digest as well as with all of our sponsors. And uh, Seth will get with you on a mailbag, and we'll be back next week to talk more about what is going on at OTAs for the Chiefs. Have a good one. We'll talk to you then. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Chiefs. Check out my work at RGR Football on YouTube, Chris's work on LockedOnChiefs.com, and all of Seth's film analysis at TheAthletic.com. Thanks for listening.